0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Self-Helpless Podcast. I'm Delaney Fisher. I'm Kelsey Cook. And today we have an amazing guest, Aubrey McCarthy. Uh, She is one of the Facebook admins in the Self-Helpless Podcast Facebook group. And we talk all about societal pressures and expectations, pressures. Uh, She is a mental health professional. We talk about pressures with that, marriage, kids, relationships, college, all that stuff. And this was a topic that was voted on by our Helpster community at patreon.com slash self helpless.
2: Yeah, she was so fantastic. It, I just feel like this whole episode feels like a therapy session. It was so helpful to talk <laughs> to her. Um, she's earned her bachelor's degree in psychology and she has her master's in social work. Um, so she's used that to work with people in hospitals, prisons, foster care settings. And um, she currently practices as a therapist, primarily where with children and families who have experienced trauma. So without further ado, here is our interview with the wonderful Aubrey
0: McCarthy. Please welcome Aubrey McCarthy to Self Helpless, everybody. yay, yay. <laughs> Woo-hoo. Aubrey, thank you so much for being here. So excited uh, to dig into today's topic with you. But before we get into it, can you tell us your favorite or least favorite quote? Yeah. Um, (laughs) Well, first off, I wish
3: everybody greeted me the way you just did. (laughs) Um, So a quote that I have that I love, um, I'm not sure who said this. It's been in my phone and my notes for like a year, but it's love each person. Like they're the only person.
0: Oh, I like that. That is so sweet, man. You're damn good at your job then. If that's how you, (laughs) if that's how you navigate your life. (laughs) <laughs> you crushing it. real. <laughs> Sometimes we all need providers. <laughs> yes. Um, so, you know, kind of before we get into the, the topic, Aubrey, we have so many mental health professionals that listen to Self-Helpless, which is so cool. And so many of them are in the Facebook group um, offering support to people. And you are also a mental health professional. And I would just, we would love to know, like, how do you take care of yourself? What does your self-care look like when your job is to help others in the way that you do when dealing with trauma, especially, which is, that's a lot.
3: Yeah. So the program that I work for is trauma-informed. So basically we have a lot of training in trauma because about 90% of the people we see come in with some sort of trauma. Um, And that sounds like a high number. It is a high number, but really 60% of everyone in America has some sort of trauma. Mm -hmm. So also just like everyday people carry a lot. Yeah. Um, And I primarily work with kids and families. And the benefit of that actually is when I'm walking like kids through self care tips or like coping strategies, then I usually do that at the end of session as well as throughout but I do it with them. So whether it's like coloring or like deep breathing, it's also a time for like me to calm down um, disguised as me helping them, which I'm also doing hopefully, <laughs> <laughs> ah, but that's that really helpful for me. Yeah. It's one of the benefits of the job that like, isn't really um, you don't really think about, but Especially lately with the pandemic, it's been much harder to find, um, self-care things that really work, you know, before I did a lot of like face masks or painting my nails or eating chocolate, like things that just made me feel good. Yeah. Yeah. Lately it's like not enough. Mm. Um, and I'm sure that that's the case for everybody. Like their normal stuff just doesn't feel the same.
2: Yeah. I'm so glad you said that. I don't feel like anybody's just come right out and said that yet where it's like the things we used to do to make yourself feel good. It's like, we're in overdrive right now. Like we need more than, a fucking Kit Kat.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that is some real ass shit right there. I mean, I I hate to compare it to drugs, but it immediately makes me think of like, you know, if like you smoke weed for the first time, you might like feel a big effect after one little puff or something. Well, it's like you develop a tolerance over time and you might need to smoke a little bit more to get that same effect. That's how I feel like what's happening with our self-care in a lot of ways too. I feel the same way. Aubrey is like, yeah, this used to bring me, I feel like a lot more security or enjoyment than it's yeah. doing right now because of all the uncertainty, you know, in the world. Um, yeah. I think it's fascinating that you mentioned like you have kind of self care built into what you do. I think that's such a that's such a good tip for people that it doesn't have to always be this separate thing, but you can maybe incorporate it into what you're already doing with your day to day and with your job.
2: Right. There's um, not not a ton of jobs that. You can do that though, because I'm thinking for my like I can't tell jokes into the microphone and then run out into the crowd and laugh at my jokes like an insane person. You know, it's like there's a big like there are only certain ones you can do that with like your job,
0: and that's so cool that you get to right wh- while you're helping people. Or I guess for Kel- like Kels, if you're like. Hey, I'm going to be on this airplane anyway, drive it or fly in to do my show. Maybe it's built in while you're on the plane to like meditate. You know what I mean? Like we can all probably build, put it in somewhere. Right. Because I think people get so overwhelmed with, oh, self-care has got to be on top of what our schedule is like every day when really maybe it's, you know, those moments in between stuff that you're already doing. So that's fascinating. Yeah. It's a good way to look at it.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And with this job too, though, it's been interesting during the pandemic. um, And I think we've all had big changes professionally with that, but um, in the mental health field, then, you know, if you have a client that maybe comes in with a situation that is really triggering for you, or maybe something similar you're going through, like a death in the family or something like that, then a lot of times you can go to your supervisor and be like, hey, like, I can't support them in this right now Mm. and maybe find a better fit. But when we're going through the whole, like through the pandemic and through the situation at the same time, we don't have that option of being like, sorry, can't help you find somebody else. Right. So that part's been really challenging. And I think also though, has made me, realize, like, I've been struggling to find like those external things that help like, oh, working out or getting up earlier, sleeping in whatever it is, and more so looking internally and like, okay, like, how am I talking to myself? Am I like forgiving myself for not being my best right now? And that's okay. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah. Have you had any moments as you're giving somebody therapy, where they do say something that's triggering to you and you have um maybe like not been able to push that down or has there been a time where you're like shit this is really affecting me in the moment and I have to pretend like it's not because it's like therapists are people too and you can go in with your problems but you don't know if what you're saying is something that they've been through that maybe is really
3: upsetting them yeah absolutely that's a really good question um so I think there's probably been a handful of times where somebody says something that was like triggering to me mm-hmm. um, and only really maybe once that I can think of where I, I felt like I couldn't rebound, you know, um, oh, yeah, yeah. and that came, that comes with experience and practice. Like that was kind of earlier on um, and I'm still new in the field. Um, you know, I've been at my current job for about a year and a half. And, but I think it comes with experience because you have to remember that like, maybe we had the same situation, but it's about how they're experiencing it. And that can be really different. So like, yeah, I have, I have had that. Um, cause like you said, we're also human. So like I fight with other people outside of my life. I have like stressful things going on and for those moments though, when we're in therapy, you just kind of have to like, let it go. It's.
2: I feel like there must be so much pressure put on you in that way. Like we almost expect therapists to be superheroes yeah. because the reason we are talking to you is because we need help and right. we need somebody that's going to almost be like, um, immune to whatever we're saying and just only give us what we need in that moment. But it's also hard because you don't know your therapist on a personal level, really. Like they're not, at least from what I've understood, like that they're not really supposed to open up to you about their personal life. And so it's so strange to think of like my therapist who I love, who I've been seeing now for maybe three or four years. The amount of time I've spent talking to this woman and I don't really know much about her life at all because she can't tell me And I think if you go to friends to talk about a hard situation in your life, you know, um, maybe I'm not going to tell this specific friend this one thing because I know it's kind of something that they have a hard time with and that might trigger them, but you don't know when you talk to a therapist if what you're about to say is going to trigger them because you just don't, I don't fucking know anything. I don't know if my therapist is married, single, I don't know, but I don't know anything about her life in that way.
3: Right. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. And I actually think that that's like one of the best things about therapy. Um, I found like, so I also have experience being in therapy and I found it's less pressure on me when I don't know anything about them because I'm not worried about hurting their feelings or like, yeah. and therapists. So, um, with my license, then I have to be in what's called supervision once a week, so it's a time, we get an hour where we talk to our boss about the things that triggered us, about the things that like, we don't like, here's a case or a situation. I don't know how to help this person. Oh,
0: interesting. Wow. I was just going to ask you, cause I'm assuming, I feel like I'm sure most therapists go to therapy themselves, I'd imagine. Right. So have you ever been in therapy and been like, I know what this person's going to say <laughs> <laughs> oh, I see what they're doing here. I mean, isn't it kind of like inside baseball for you to like be sitting there across from somebody who does what you do? And does that ever get like, do you ever get in your head about that? Or are you really able to kind of let go while you're in therapy?
3: That's so funny. Um, because I actually don't think I, I have had an experience where I was like, I know what they're going to say or, mm-hmm. um, a lot of times, what they say surprises me because I have all this knowledge, but I'm also biased because I know like my experiences and all of that. So it's still nice to have an outside perspective. And a lot of times, um, maybe because of like the skill set or um, just the uh, different knowledge, then you, as a therapist, you'll look for a therapist that knows how to do therapy with other therapists, if that makes sense. Right. Um, Yeah. So that's helpful, but I think sometimes too, the knowledge can be like to your own detriment because I find myself like overanalyzing so many different things where I'm like, is this a pattern I'm recreating or is this just me being like a human? Right. Mm. Yeah. I can imagine it's hard not to
0: like therapize yourself all the time <laughs> because oh, you're yeah. so knowledgeable about it. Oh my gosh. <laughs> be, oh, yeah. <laughs> that, that it sounds very challenging. <laughs> um, so can you kind of, before we kind of get into societal pressures, like in, you know, more general way, can you kind of talk about the pressure in your field that you experience, you know, as a mental health professional, what is, what do those pressures look like?
3: Yeah. So, I mean, like you said, the pressure of just like showing up for each client um, can be really hard if you, especially at first. um, But once you get into the rhythm, things get easier. And when things come up, like if there's a crisis or things like that, sometimes you do have to, even when there is this extra pressure, just deal with it. um, Because it's part of the job, it's part of something you signed up for. And also, I think we put pressure, so much of it is on ourselves, but also on one another. Um, When we look at, okay, well, has this person been to another therapist? And why didn't that therapist do this? And, um, you know, what was their license? Maybe they like, well, between social workers and counselors. So they're two different licenses. Um, A lot of times, both Both provide therapy but we also kind of have this weird competition with one another because we have like different rules depending on our license and that sometimes (laughs) creates a little bit of difficulty you know like as a social worker then if someone came to me from a counselor I'd be like wow okay a counselor like has even more training than I do in one-on-one therapy but then conversely like A counselor might be like, oh, well, they were with a social worker. They don't really know what they were doing. Um, And then increasing your license. So I have what's called a provisional license. And in a year, a little less than that, I'll have a full license. And then after that, it doesn't stop. So after that, you're kind of expected to become a supervisor. And with every single one of those things, it's more money. It's more um, education. It's another test. And I think it's different in each state. So it's just kind of like the ladder doesn't end. You just keep climbing.
0: Mm. Wow. Hmm. And have wow. you asked yourself, is that a ladder that you want to climb to the top or is there a certain place that you feel you're going to be content with? And then you're going to be struggling with what people think you should do versus what really makes you happy.
3: Yeah, that's a great question. I have recently had that conversation with myself. And even um, being where I am now, even had the conversation of like, do I need a full license? Which is something that a lot of people at this stage go through and have that conversation of like, okay, this is really hard. It's a field that I knew I wasn't going to get paid well in. It's a, new I, a field I knew I was going to be overworked in, things like that. And is it really worth it? But it's like, you've dedicated so much time, so much, um, like effort and money into it. That's like, well, now I just feel like I have to finish. Um, so I definitely have those days. And I think that what I've come up with personally recently is that I'll get my next, like my full license and stop there. Okay. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
3: Yeah. That is so, I, I sure that's
2: a common feeling amongst other people in the medical community. I know friends who have done like the nursing route and stuff like that. And by the time you're actually really in it, doing it and feeling like maybe more clear on if it's what you want for the long haul, you've already invested so much time. You've already invested so much money that you feel a little bit like, well, shit, now I'm like this age I've invested this time. Do I really want to go back to square one and try something else? Like, I'm sure you're not alone in that feeling
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. Um, what is like the favorite part of your job because it's interesting. <laughs> I kind of talked about like I feel like therapists are kind of trained not to react too big one way or the other, right? like kind of be neutral. And so like do you ever leave a session? I like, yeah, that client crushed it, and I helped them. You know, like, or like, but you probably can't like say that in the moment. Like, you have those moments where you're like celebrating behind the scenes. Like, yeah, I freaking crushed my job today.
3: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, and those feel so good because it doesn't. You don't always like feel it when um your clients progressing. Um, you know, it. You might they might experience it outside of session. So you're not always there for it. So that feels extra good. But um, I do have those and it's awesome. And we are supposed to be neutral, but also I want my clients to like feel good about themselves. So I usually celebrate that with them. I'll be like, hey, like when we had the same conversation three months ago, this is not how you responded, you know? Right.
0: That's nice. Right. Yeah.
3: Wow. That's interesting to...
2: I don't think I keep that in mind about that therapists are supposed to stay neutral about things like good or bad, you know? Um, Do you take it, do you ever take it personally if you feel like a client of yours is continuing to struggle with something? Like, do you ever feel like uh, maybe I'm just not saying the right thing to them? Or are you able to recognize like, "Mm, maybe this is just something where like they kind of want to stay stuck
3: yeah, um, I definitely. I think I put a lot of pressure on myself of like, oh, it's my fault that they're not making progress, or it's my fault that like they made this decision. But at the end of the day, uh... um, like you said, you know, maybe they do want to stay stuck. Maybe that's where they're comfortable. Yeah, um, and maybe they're not ready to move to the next step, whatever that is. But also, like, just because it's that next step might be what I think would be good for them doesn't mean that that is what's good for them
2: yeah we've we've talked before on the show about um toxic positivity and knowing like when it's the right time to try and kind of help push somebody into a better mindset versus letting them grieve a situation or really feel out the pain how do you get a read on that with your clients like do you feel like there's a certain time frame in your mind of like, all right, time to kind of like push them into a better place. Or are you ever worried about like rushing somebody into being in a better place too soon? Stuff like that?
3: Yeah. Um so especially with trauma, then rushing sometimes I, I think that I probably go, if anything, slower. But With trauma, especially, then there's a period of time where you're just in this like, honestly, like traumatized space and nothing, you're just trying to survive, you know, like you're just taking things as they come and you're not ready to make changes. Um, And so for that, it's just a lot of coping skills and being in the moment with the person and maybe as time passes, then it's like, okay, this is what we can do about it. And sometimes I'll feel people out on like trying to reframe thoughts, like, okay, let's take this, this thought about something really bad that happened and reframe it to make it a little more positive. And they might be like, yeah, that's total bullshit. And that's when I know they're not ready. <laughs> like, okay, we're not <laughs> here yet. We're still in the, I just want to be heard. I don't want to, I don't want it to be fixed part.
2: Yes. Oh, that's a perfect way to put it. I feel like that's a big shift for people where it's like there is that period of time where it's like, nope, like not looking for solutions, just literally need a a sounding
0: board. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's an important part of the process, too, I'm sure, you know.
1: Um, CarMax is putting peace of mind
0: back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. So we know when we kind of talked about what you wanted to discuss, you, you know, societal pressures are kind of like something that you're passionate about getting out there. Do you wanna get into that now and kind of tell us how you feel? Yeah, great. (laughs) So what kind of yeah, what kind of pressures do you think are out there that are unfair, whether you've experienced them yourself or clients or just women or whoever
3: (laughs) Uh, yeah so um when we first talked about that this I mentioned you know uh, when I was in college which like is a big societal pressure on its own then um in one of my classes I had a professor say like the first day of class all right raise your hand if you want to get married and like every single person raised their hand and then she asked why and it was a bunch of like kind of textbook answers and basically just like, that's what you do. You know, that's what you do when you grow up is you get married and you have a family. Um, and then the next question was, all right, raise your hand if you want kids. And it was like, why? And these things have always been, um, especially as a female, just kind of like put on us of like, this is what you'll do when you get older. And never had I even thought of the why. Mm -hmm. So after that, it took me a few years of thinking like, do I want kids? Why would I want them? Why do I want to give up my freedom? You know, like what, what is this all about? Mm -hmm. And I'm still, I think currently in a place where, you know, I recently decided like kids would be cool. I'd be all right with that. But marriage is another thing. It's like, well, other than society telling us that's what's right. When you love someone, then why? Mm-hmm. Right, right,
0: absolutely, yeah. absolutely. I think, yeah, we've talked a little bit about that on the show. Where you know, <laughs> for me, I think, um, I didn't always want to get married, you know, like I that was not something I really cared about at all. Um, and then when I met Kim, I was like, oh, I get this, you know, I get it now. But even when I met him, I was like, yeah, but marriage could mean something totally different for us than it does to, you know, society, right? Like, I was cool to just like, hey, let's just have a party. We don't even have to sign paperwork if we don't want to. You know what I mean? Right. Let's just like celebrate that we found, you know, a partner. Um, and I think so, yeah, everybody's idea of what that even means for them is different. You know, what, what marriage looks like, um, what parenthood looks like. And I don't know, Kelsey, do you have anything to add to that? those pressures. Yeah.
2: What was the, um, shit, what's the name of that Netflix show that we talked about that does a kind of like a deep dive into different topics? I'll, I'll have to think about it, but there's one about marriage and basically that the reason marriage even existed was for like property reasons and right. like that's why there was a legality to it. Whereas now, I mean, obviously, of course, like, I've, I've joked on stage now about going through a divorce this year that because uh, my ex and I were both comedians, we didn't have a lot of, like, assets to split up, you know? It's, like, there wasn't, like, a summer house and a boat. It was, like, do you want the Batman Begins DVD? Like, it's... For certain people where I think of, like, if you think of, like, a big Hollywood divorce, like, two big actors and actresses, like, then there might be more of an aspect of, like, you would want something in writing that you're going to make sure like nobody's getting fucked over. But I don't know. I think basically what we're all saying, I think is that it's so different case by case and it's different person to person. And, um, it's too bad that in our society, it is still the, the go-to that there, there aren't a lot of other alternatives. It feels like it's like, you're supposed to get married.
0: Mm Yeah. Yeah while we're on that topic, are you feeling any pressure yet as somebody who's been through a divorce? Like, are there pressures around that, that you've experienced yet, or you think you will? Me? Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Oh, yeah, Kelsey. It, yeah. Say that again. I thought you were talking to Aubrey. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Aubrey. So okay. Kelsey, I was going to say, I mean, now that we're on the topic, like yeah. of pressure, I didn't even, you mm-hmm. think about the pressure of getting married or leading up to getting married, if that's something you want right. to do. I don't know, do we talk about the pressure of what it, like being divorced and what that feels like and going right. out into the world with that in your in your past or something have you felt anybody be saying things to you or treating you differently knowing that or is it still i mean it's still pretty pretty soon but
2: um, not re- like i think the thing i've learned cuz also like i'm 31 and because divorce rates are over 50% It's like, it's so common. And once you go through one, so many people come out of the woodwork that are like, oh my God, either like I'm currently going through one or yeah, I'm on my second marriage or whatever. Like there's a lot less um, judgment than I think going through something like that. You're like, oh, it's gonna, cause you feel, you feel like you failed. Um, Which again, in terms of societal pressure and stuff like that, like that's so shitty because- you shouldn't feel like you failed, especially he and I were together eight years. Like that's a great success in so many, um, in so many aspects, but, um, I'm not, I'm not sure. I just, I feel like the more it's been put out there now that I am divorced, the more people have come out saying, Oh, I know what you're going through. It's been like the opposite of judgment in a lot of ways. It's been people saying like, you're not alone in going through this. Yeah. That's
3: nice. Yeah. Yeah. I think too, um, kind of similar to what you were saying, Delaney, is like the value that I, I don't know if either of you have experienced this or noticed it, but it almost seems like we place value on people based on their relationship status. Um, mm-hmm. like I even catch myself sometimes just checking like, oh, does that person have a wedding ring on? And it's like, well, why does that make their relationship any more or less significant?
0: Right. Yeah. Uh, good point. I do that. I've, I've done that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Is there a certain pressure that you're feeling the most right now? I would ask this to Aubrey and Kelsey, like a certain pressure <laughs> that you feel from society right now or yourself or both.
2: It's a good yeah. question. We're going to ask you too, bitch. You can't just. <laughs> <laughs> this is a boomerang question and coming said. back at you. Okay?
0: <laughs>
2: um,
3: uh, do you want to go Aubrey? You want me to go? Um, I'll go. Yeah. So, and this is like, so hard to admit because it's exactly like what I'm trying to go against, but, I so I'm 28 and I am starting to feel that like okay am I gonna get married? Um, and it's hard because I think a lot of that is just from what's ingrained rather than is it what I want? But um, yeah, it's like with every with every breakup or anything then the past probably like five years it's been like well damn who am I gonna marry then?
2: Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah um, some of you said that yeah I mean I feel like I'm always feeling pressure in my career in a certain way because um I think particularly with female comedians there's this like ticking clock always that you want to have a certain amount of success by a certain age and you don't want to feel too old on stage all these shitty stereotypes that unfortunately exist but I've always had that pressure but going through a divorce this year and at this age does put a level of pressure on me where I'm like, okay, like you said, Aubrey, well, then what am I doing now? Like, especially at this age where all I suddenly went from being kind of one of, um, the norm within my group of friends where it's like my group of friends, everybody's either like married, engaged, or in a serious relationship. So I kind of was part of the herd, right? And that's whatever you want to call like typical for this age-ish, right? To then now, I feel like if life's a board game, like I just went back to start and everybody else is like way fucking years ahead of me, it feels like. But I used to be up there and now I just went back to the beginning. And at this age, if you do want kids and all that, it does feel like that pressure of the clock ticking like, well, shit, if I want kids, I want to meet somebody now like with enough time to have time with them in a relationship before there's like it's hard to not think about that stuff and and not put that pressure on yourself yes and we're told to
0: as women we're told to. told to like hey, by the time you're 35, you're fucked,
1: right? Like, hey, we're
0: told that we have a ticking time bomb, basically, and you know what? I don't know, uh, gosh, where was this? I think it was watching a documentary or reading an article or something where they talk about the study that shows that 35 is the number that women their eggs start to decrease is all actually bullshit. And so outdated, like it's not even true yet. We still put that pressure on women today, even though it's been disproved over and over again. And that is a study from like a long ass time ago. Like I want to say even a century ago, I can't even remember. Mm-hmm. I will have to try to find that um, and share it with still, you guys.
2: Aren't they still pretty clear on though, that like the risk of, um, like dangers at birth though, still like, even if your egg count, I, cause I don't know enough info about like the egg research, but like, aren't the studies still pretty relevant about that the older you get, the more risky a birth can be or pregnancy can be.
0: I'm sure. I just don't know if it's 35, which is what they've all been telling us since we were born. You know what I mean? Right. Like it might be
3: way higher. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you
0: know?
3: Yeah, has, um, isn't it like yeah. 35 is considered like a geriatric pregnancy or something yeah which yeah. is insane to think about
2: right and again we're called yes. self-helpless we're not doctors don't quote us yes. do <laughs> but, you know right? like <laughs> that, no. <laughs> this is the information that we consume like you guys where we go wait is it like could do we have longer than we think we have and Right. You know, I've talked before, right. my, my mom had me when she was 36 and she had my brother when she was 42. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I've always, had, at least in my immediate family, had an example of like, that sometimes you can wait longer, but it's still nerve wracking and like.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I'm so. surrounded by women who have had children late, late thirties, forties, you know, yeah. and I think it's just like, we're not, why, we're not talking about that enough too. Right women are waiting and doing that um what do you feel yeah. pressure on Doll? <laughs> um for me right now like societal pressure kids everybody asks cam when we're having kids we're not even freaking married yet <laughs> yeah and that's like a question like oh and um oh my god the shock and horror on people's faces when we either say we don't know if we want them or mm, we don't want kids oh my gosh, it's like the, the world has ended for them in so many conversations. And um, I just think it's so fascinating to see that you know, reaction. Um, and yeah, I would say that's what we're getting the most right now. Um, the pressure I'm putting on myself right now would have to be that I just really want to be um, successful in my, in my business. And I'm putting that pressure on myself right now. I think I'm sure a lot of it too is because, well, if I'm not having kids and I'm not doing a lot of these typical conventional things, I want to have something else to show for it. You know what I mean? Right. Like, yeah, I didn't do the whole two and a half kids white picket fence situation, but look at my thriving, you know, business empire. empire. (laughs) I <laughs> oh, look at my empire and all the freedom I have with my <laughs> with my husband. You know what I mean. And yeah. I, I, think that, that there's an issue with that too. It's like, well, why can't I just have like a good business and no kids, and that's great. You know what I mean? But I think I think we can put pressure on ourselves either way too. And I think right. there's also pressure on women that like you can't do both. That you have to pick one or the other. And I think that's a crack of shit too. You can have you can have a thriving business and be a mother as well. Yeah. You can do both if you want both. Yeah, for sure.
1: What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one. In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
3: That's so interesting, Delaney, that you said, like, the white picket fence, like, scenario. And also, Kelsey, you were, like, talking about marriage and life as, like, a game board and it seems like we all have just this one collective idea of this is the way to be successful. And don't think about, like, well, maybe I could have a life partner and not be married. Or maybe I could have, like, a different partner in different phases of my life. Because I've also right. been in a stage where I felt like I've outgrown relationships before. So wow. it's so interesting. But it reminds me of, I saw this interview with George Carlin. on. Um, and I actually had never heard of him before. Um, wow. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I was talking about this um, with somebody and they showed me this interview and he was saying like the public sucks. Um, and he explains that, you know, like that he loves people as individuals and that you can really connect with someone on a one on one level but then when they get in groups, it's like they sacrifice themselves for the herd. Like we're all just like sheep trying to like play this game. Yeah. It's just made me think like, okay, if, if I do what, if I, if I follow the board game or whatever it is, like at the end of the day, am I going to be happy myself or is everyone else just going to be comfortable with the decisions I made? Right. Mm. Yeah.
0: Oh, that's good. Absolutely. Um, Say I was gonna ask, you know, you mentioned college too as as a pressure. Did you feel pressured to go to college? And have you, you know, felt that, you know, whether it's in your circle or your community? And how do you feel about that, Aubrey? I'm
3: curious. Oh yeah, for sure. Um you know, people talk about college as like this fantastic experience and everything. And I didn't feel that when I was there. I definitely got a good education and I'm happy about that because it's helped me. Um but at the same time, one of my brothers um, didn't go to college and now I have two degrees and we make the same amount of money. So oh, it's wow. like, is that really the path to success? Right. It so
2: depends. I mean, I have a, I have a degree that I don't really use. I mean, part of it is in, it, it's, I got a broadcast production degree. So part of it's in video editing, which I do technically do for putting clips online and stuff like that. Um, but I still have student loan debt and I'm a professional clown, you know, like I didn't technically need this degree, but I don't regret going to college. I think, I think the other part of like, I totally agree that there's so much societal, per, societal pressure to go to college when people don't actually have to for their career that they end up doing. But I will say, I think you learn a lot of life lessons in college that are so invaluable and important, at least I feel that way in my experience. I loved my college experience so much. So you kind of weigh it out. I look at my student loan debt, like fuck, I didn't use any of this for my actual job, but I would not trade it for the world of, of the experiences I had.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm in the same kind of boat where I'm like, I did not need to go do that. At all for what I do now, right? Um, Wait, there's not but- a dick mug major at UC. <laughs> <laughs> I must have missed it. <laughs> I must have missed <laughs> it in my <laughs> last quarter. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like what I do now is like, oh, I could have taken independent courses and basically t- self-taught. You know, is basically what, what so much of so much has happened. Um, but I also, college got to me to this place too. Like that's where I found stand up. That's where I tried a lot of new things. And so I definitely don't regret the experience. I will say though, like, let's say that I did have a kid or something at some point who was like, I don't know what I want to do. I would say, well, you have options. It's not just you're going to college and that's it. End of discussion. Say, look, here's, here are all the things we can try. Right, right. You could take this route, and this is kind of what that experience is. You can take this. You can take a year off. You can do this. It wouldn't just be like we'll go figure it out in college, and that's that. I would be open to the discussion of what the next steps could be because it's so different for everybody. And I think with all these, with all the societal pressures that we've mentioned—college, kids, marriage, even like accumulating stuff—is a societal pressure. You know, like right. You know, we're always taught like, Oh, more and more and more is better and better and bigger, right. Get more stuff, get the bigger house, get to this, right. Even that's a huge pressure for people that, you know, makes them feel trapped and, you know, lacking freedom because of their, their finances. Um, but I think we just always have to ask ourselves, do I actually want to do this or do I think I should? And I think that can, that can steer us in, in the direction that we really want to be going in most of the time. And I am always doing that. Like, yeah, I know it's typical to be doing this by this age, but do I want to do that? Or would I be doing it to try to please other people or try to fit in? Because if that's the case, I don't want to do that because that's, I'm the one who has to live with my decision, you know? Right.
3: Yeah. And knowing too that like, if you don't choose that standard way or like predicted way, that's not going to change your worth. I think that's been something Mm -hmm. that I've really had to think about.
0: Yeah, for sure. Oh Aubrey,
3: Absolutely. you've been amazing.
0: Thank
2: you so much yeah, for talking thank
0: with you us. So much. Yeah. So much. It's very Thanks to talk with ladies about societal pressure and be like, "Mm, (laughs) I I felt like a therapy session. (laughs) (laughs) I know this is so nice. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you. Um, Is there anything, anything else that you'd like to add any final words of wisdom to our listeners and then how can people either connect with you or where you want to direct people to for more information?
3: Yeah. So, I'm um, final words of wisdom. Actually, I watched an interview with Sophie Turner from Game of Thrones, um, oh. on like kind of this topic. It didn't, it wasn't supposed to be on this topic, but, um, you know, when she got, I think engaged, then she said something in an interview that I'm going to paraphrase, but it really stuck with me of like, so many people are congratulating her on the engagement. She's like, this wasn't like an accomplishment that somebody loves me. It's mm. like this happened while I was working and yes. doing all these other really big things.
0: So, yes.
3: <laughs> yeah, I think I'm I'm definitely not anti-marriage. I'm just kind of exploring like what makes sense for each person and what's going to make me happy and is it is it maybe it is like white picket fence family, but I want to know that my intentions are really what they are, I guess yeah Mm.
0: oh my god that's such a that's so good dude i if you think about that yeah people always congratulate you when you're when you're engaged and who who congratulates the person that quits their day job they hate to go like live in a van for a year around the united states people are like that person's crazy but really (laughs) why don't you congratulate that person too for doing what they want (laughs) right Right. it's so fast it's so fascinating what we do um Awesome, Aubrey. And then, where would you like um, people to
3: connect with you? Absolutely. So, I wanted to add you guys have talked a lot about anxiety and, like, over various episodes, and also, like, um, sleep hygiene. So, something that I found really helpful with my own anxiety that hopefully will be helpful to others is this book called The Untethered Soul. Um, So, this is what it looks like. But this was recommended to me by another therapist friend and it helps you like think about your thoughts of like, okay, what am I feeding into? Is this going to help me or hurt me to continue feeding into these thoughts? Um, and it's heavy and also helpful. And like to the point where sometimes I read a few pages and it puts me to sleep.
0: Mm,
2: Okay.
3: Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Absolutely. Um, you can find me on the Self-Helpless Podcast Facebook page if yeah. anybody would like to join that. When you, um, when you request to be added, though, make sure that you agree to the like community standards because otherwise we don't accept you. And a lot of people, I think, miss that. You have to scroll all the way down. Um, you can also, if you want to post something, but maybe you're a little unsure about sharing things with a bunch of strangers or how people react, you can message me what it is that you'd like to share and I will share it anonymously for you. Um, I love it. That's yeah. great. Um, and then people can also find me on Venmo. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <about> that one. <laughs>
2: I feel like you've had, like, you've been so, like, you <laughs> know what I mean? Like, I don't know, like, not saying anything like that this whole time. <laughs> just, like, just drop a fucking send me money joke.
0: That was great. <laughs> it was cash at all times. At all their- yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, go join the Self Helpless Podcast Facebook group. It's an awesome community, and Aubrey's one of the admins, and she's amazing. So, yeah. Thank you so much. You're fantastic. Thanks for all that you do, all the work that you do. We appreciate it.
3: (laughs) Thank you guys. This was awesome. Bungalow says bye. (laughs) (laughs) Bye.
2: (laughs) That was so nice to talk to her. That felt like being wrapped up in a blanket. She was lovely.
0: So calming. I, it's so fascinating to like talk to people who are therapists to other people. Yes. <laughs> I've never been able to like ask those types of questions to somebody who does that for a living with, you know, how they act, how they feel.
2: Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Um, we have an iTunes review of the episode this is from Julia92 she says I am in love with this podcast I can relate to all three of these lovely hilarious ladies and listening to their podcast has become something I look forward to on my long commute to and from work I just recently became a member of Patreon woohoo um, and those episodes are just as wonderful and entertaining I tell all my friends to check this podcast out and have a few co-workers that I now get to talk about it with after re- recommending it Keep up the wonderful work you do to help all of us type A perfectionists in check. Uh, oh, To help keep all of us type A perfectionists in check. Love you gals so much.
0: Oh, thank you, oh, Julia. Thank you. That's so nice, Julia. And if anybody's listening, you know, for the first time with our Patreon community, that's where we just respond to all of your emails and questions that you have. Um, yeah. And it's a yeah. little time over there. It's basically like an advice show.
2: You guys uh, yeah. send us stuff that you're... You need an opinion on you're struggling with something, uh, anything like that, and and we we give our advice. It's a
0: it's a great time. We love doing yeah. it. So. Yes, check um, it out. Kelsey, you have any segments you wanna discuss?
2: You know, I feel like a a segmentless lady right now. <laughs> um, do you tell me your segment, and maybe something will crop up for me? But I just I feel like I've been living very day to day. And I don't know if other people are relating to that feeling of just kind of like surviving, just like taking things a day at a time, but nothing. Oh, well, the fucking election. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, that was a really (laughs) (laughs) exciting thing. And, um, I, it was really cool to be living here in Los Angeles when that happened and go down. I, I went out and celebrated with some friends in um, West Hollywood and to just see the showing of love from pe- everybody honking their horns, celebrating um, an actual, like a real rainbow showed up in the sky in West Hollywood. And it oh was my just, God, of course it did <laughs> magical and beautiful. <laughs> um it was just a really special moment. So, um, that was, that was a fun, cool, exciting thing to be a part of in the past few days. Yeah. It, yeah.
0: Um, I've been debating whether to share this on the show, but I feel like I'll just share it. Um, okay. Cam and I just got better from having COVID. We actually tested positive and have been, um, recovering the past couple weeks And I was just, you know, considering whether to share that or not. I think there's a lot of, um, for me, uh, there's a lot of guilt with how I got it. Because I knew going into it that the chances of me getting it were going to be very, very high. And I was very uncomfortable with that. Um, But we, uh, you know, there was an obligation that we decided to say yes to. And... um, I uh, yeah, I don't know, it's just been interesting having this thing that everybody is very scared of. Yeah. Um and experiencing it and all the range of emotions of experiencing it has been very strange. Yeah. Um and I also didn't even want to talk about my experience having it because everybody is so different and it affects everybody differently and I don't want people to think that I'm I'm not taking precautions or anything now that I've I've had it. Um right. And just because what Cam and I experienced was pretty mild compared to how it's affecting other people doesn't mean that that's what it's going to be like for everybody. And so while I am, you know, a part of me having had it does, um, you know, release a lot of fear and anxiety I had around the situation, um, I still will be taking every precaution and really sticking to my guns the next time I do not want to go somewhere. Yeah. Cause of it. And I think that's important too is like, yeah, I'm uh, you know, for me, I, I kind of went back on something that I kind of knew deep down I didn't want to do. And then I, it was confirmed. And so now I'm like, all right, well, going forward, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to be mindful of that as well. So I don't know, just a range of emotions, but felt like we've, you know, we've talked about it on the show. So I figured I'd share that yeah. and we are good, you know, we're, we're feeling good and um, yeah, we're, we're back to normal now, but yeah, it was interesting. You know, if people are curious about what my experience was like, I'm happy to share more about it. Yeah. Um, but I just kind of wanted to, there's my defuck segment. Yeah. <laughs> <All right>. um, <laughs> I've missed uh, seeing you for so long. I know, dude. I know. Me too. It's been it's been really feeling like quarantine up in here. I mean, yeah. you know, bef- before having it, I was at least like going on walks and stuff. And now I'm like, I do not want to accidentally cross any person that I don't have right. to. Right. And yeah. so yeah, that's it's just been it's been interesting to have it. And it's weird. It, it's weird because we don't really know what the long-term effects of this thing is yet. So, yeah. you know, I feel like another statistic, which I am. Um, but yeah, I don't know, guys. It's, it's fascinating. But well, we love
2: I? you. And we're so, so, so grateful that you feel better when you're on the mend. Thank you. Yeah. Thank
0: you very much.
2: Yeah. All right, guys. Uh, we hope that you're all staying safe and healthy and, and doing okay. We know that hard time, hard time, um, still in a lot of ways. And, uh, we just, we love you and we're thinking about you.
0: Yes. Send in lots of love and we will talk to you soon. All right. Bye-bye.
2: Thank you guys so much for listening to Self Helpless. We really appreciate it and would love anything you can do to help the show grow and get the word out. So if you can leave us a five-star rating and review on iTunes, that helps us move up the iTunes charts. If you can tell a friend, a coworker, a family member, anybody that you think would love the podcast you can also screenshot an episode and share it in your instagram in your instagram stories anything helps also if you want more of the show if you want bonus episodes if you want to be able to be more interactive and help choose podcast topics you can go to patreon.com/selfhelpless and join there You guys can follow me on Instagram at KelseyCookComedy, on Twitter at KelseyCook. You can go to my website, KelseyCook.com, which has links to my online makeup course. You can listen to my album, Savor It, on Spotify and iTunes. And you can watch my foosball web series on YouTube called Risks of Fury. How about you guys? Where can people find you?
3: You can follow me at Taylor Tomlinson on Instagram and Twitter. My website is ttomcomedy.com. And you can watch my one hour special streaming on Netflix right now called quarter life crisis.
0: Awesome. And you can find me at delaneyfisher.com. That's where you'll find information about my one-to-one consulting and my online courses. So basically if you're a business owner, podcaster, or comedian uh, and you're looking to either start those things or grow those things, you can reach out to me for more information. I also have an email list at delaneyfisher.com where I share my favorite tools, tips, treats, and free shit. And then we just want to say a big special thank you to our wonderful editor, Emma Erdbrink, and our fantastic associate producer, Humaira Nawaz.
2: And you can find everything that we all just mentioned at selfhelplesspodcast.com.